0: Hey guys, and welcome to episode seven of season two. Already, I am loving this journey, and I have an awesome guest. His name is Josh on today. He's a two time Olympian, and now he's taken the world by storm in the chiropractic world. So, how you doing today, Josh?
1: I'm good, thanks. I'm, uh, yeah, moving on to the next, you know, stage post athlete life. So, it's a whole new, um, you know, grind, but similar, which I like. There was, you know, it's a lot of uh, lessons that you could take because, you know, you feel like you started. I did, you know, the business kind of game late, later than other my colleagues who graduated, but uh, and I've been able to, um, you know, enjoy the process so far.
0: Oh, that's, and it's great that you've been having this, this next progression in your life. It's exciting, but yes, I would, I would love everyone to kind of hear about your journey. So let's, let's dive into it. So let's talk about, you know, you had your, your two-time Olympian right here with the, the London and Rio games. And, you know, what was that? journey like at the beginning like what was what was the prep like what was the environment like why don't you start with that and then we'll dive right into your profession
1: um yeah I mean I I kind of it was difficult doing uh both a chiropractic and competing on the world tour um at the same time but um yeah it was quite uh you know I guess initially I started it just more maybe for selfish reasons to see how good I could be and how far I could go uh that was kind of London and then you know, I was contemplating, do I want to, you know, actually start working now full on? Because, you know, as, as incredible as an experience is, you know, the, um, the Canadian athlete, as you hear, it's not the most lucrative financial um, industry to be in. <laughs> so you're really doing it for the love of the game. But uh, I wanted to, you know, think about, do I want to do it again? And, and then I kind of realized, you know, I spoke to some of the athletes who even won the gold medals. And after they've, you know, they've won that, and that was my kind of goal it didn't really feel like, you know, nothing really has changed too much. I mean, you know, when I was in Brazil, if you're Brazilian winning beach volleyball or soccer in Brazil, then that might kind of change your life. If you're playing a sport that it's like a religion to you and you win the gold medal, but for Canada, I mean, maybe other than, you know, maybe hockey or, or whatnot, um, it's, it's different. So it was just interesting to hear those that did, you know, win the, the gold medal and hit, hit the pinnacle of the sport and nothing really changed too much. I mean, for sure, they got a little bit um, more, you know, higher profile, and we're able to leverage that. But the they were just talking about how, you know, um, became more of like an inspiring reason. And I was like, you know what, yes, I, I'm, I'm down for that. So that's why I kind of, you know, wanted to keep going decided for Rio less about, you know, how well I could do myself and more about um, using my lessons and inspiring the kind of younger generation to to continue that. So it kind of started off a little bit selfish reasons, and then finished <laughs> off selfless. So.
0: I think that's beautiful that you kind of inspire others and and build that platform, not only for yourself, but, you know, to motivate the future. And did you ever have a game where you were playing and you were like, you know what, this this game is going towards so-and-so, you know, like, did you ever have like a, one of those games where it was about yourself, but also someone else in your life?
1: Yeah, totally. Great question. Well, we were the only um, country to have our qualifying process play one match against another Canadian team for the chance to go to Olympics. It was crazy. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. um, you had to first get the birth for Canada, you know, tennis has kind of a Davis cup, that style, like you, yes. you play with your other, right. To get the birth for their country. So we had to do that for London and in Rio. So we played with another team, the top two teams in the country got nominated to go to a world event and then you're playing, you know, uh, with your other, you know, country, a team, uh, to get the birth for Canada. And then if you did get that, which we did, then you come back to Canada and you play one match against each other. So you were going from working with each other to against each other and whoever won that one match go to Olympics and the other one doesn't. It was insane. Oh. So yeah, those two matches, all like my, my family, uh, my friends, you know, my, my current wife now, but, uh, <laughs> you know, she was at the time wasn't, but I, I knew she would be at that time. So, uh, yeah, it was, um, You know, I'm just looking across the net and we actually were losing uh, in the extra tiebreak set of the one to go to Rio. And I was just, you know, I was exhausted and I was like, this is not looking good. Things weren't going well. And then it was just that switch. I called the timeout late in the match and then just looked across the net. And I was like, no, no, look at all the people that I love that are love me are here uh, and one, I'll just never hear the end of it. If I lose, yeah, <laughs> so they would love you no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They'd love you no matter what. But I was like, I don't want to deal with that. You know, <laughs> Oh, too bad. We still love you. Yada, yada. I was like, I know you do guys, but still, so yes. that kind of just fired me up to uh, dig deep and, and find that little extra, um, push to, Persevered, so we came back. and Ended up winning.
0: That's a am- oh, I love that story because that's that's amazing. Because I I so agree. Because when you don't hit that game winner, or when you know you don't win that match, you don't yeah. hear the end of it. It's not a pleasant car ride home. Or totally. a family yeah, dinner. Exactly. That's for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. For weeks on end. Or and then when the Olympics would come on and be like, oh, that should be you there. So I just <laughs> yeah. knew it would be never ending.
0: I know. It's like, oh, look at that Olympic tire. You know, like, why not have, yeah. Why can't you have that gear on right now? But, oh, I yeah, totally, exactly. I totally yeah. get it. That's beautiful. But how do you, so when you're going through that uh, whole experience, how did you maintain such a good headspace? Like, how did you, how did you keep that up through the game?
1: um there's you know what experience there's no shortcut to that I wish I did when I first started playing I was like nah I'm gonna just win right off the bat you know and then I realized watching that Jordan documentary funny enough I was like he even lost which yes. I didn't realize you know we just knew he was the best ever And seeing that uh behind the scenes it was so cool I was like wow so you just uh you just can't yeah experience you learn to be resilient and, and how to uh to be optimistic when you're down that's the toughest part it's so easy to be optimistic when you're up and winning. Um, but how do you turn it around? So I've been on both sides where I've been up, lost it, down one. So I just knew it was possible. And I was just looking for that um, kind of one little spark where, you know, the opponent is starting to, the the chink in the armor starts coming off and they were (laughs) bulletproof the whole time. And you're like, I just need that little crack. And then I could chip away at it because I've I've seen it and been there. So yeah, you kind of just have to uh, stay optimistic in times of duress. So that's kind of what, what I, Focused
0: on. I love it. You need you need like that balance during the game. You know, you gotta have your headspace and you gotta like, do you have like certain songs that you always listen to when you were an athlete? Like, was there like this is my game, you know, game music or whatever it was? Yeah,
1: like, yeah, yeah. No, not really. What was the Eminem one? You know, the pump of oh. this is your moment, the loser, <laughs> you never let it go. Yes.
0: <laughs> but no what that's what honestly I appreciate about like appreciate about you because You know, when I had the chance to work with you in Israel, when you were a coach for, you know, volleyball, you Mm. could almost see so many good traits of what you built as an athlete to really give back to that team. And I think that was such an incredible journey, too, because, you know, it definitely, I'm sure, taught you so much patience (laughs) more than you probably thought you had. And, you know, like getting them in the mind space and all that stuff. I think it was a really cool thing to watch you do because you know, I've seen you be an athlete. So that's also really cool kind of mix. What was that like for you, you know, going to Israel and instead of being an athlete that time, going and, and being a coach for them and, and trying to inspire them as athletes?
1: Yeah, totally different. First time I've ever coached like that. So you killed it. You really <laughs> <laughs> you did well, I'm oh, you know, it's funny too, and I watch these guys and I, it's great for them and for it. Um, You know, we're watching, I think, the match before, and the team that is about to win. And if they do win, we get automatic birth to the gold medal match. They were up two nothing. They end up losing it. You know, the momentum, it's crazy in sports, right? And the same thing with us. We come out, we are up two nothing early, and the guys lose in the fifth. And there's, you just can't, you can't, um, you know, help them in terms of you can give them execution and technical, and you can try to call a timeout and, uh, you know, affect the momentum. But when it comes down to it, you can't affect how they, are in their mind in terms of their um, willingness to go for it under pressure, how to play to win, not to play to not lose you know there was a reason when oh we're just starting the game, I'm going to play free and you know and and uh, you know be calm but assertive, and as soon as the game gets tight, you know people change right so oh
0: yeah um,
1: it was you know it was tough because I was like,
0: guys, I know
1: what's going on I've been there but uh, but it was fun though. And then they'll be better off for it. So I, I can't wait to uh, hopefully get a chance to coach them again in the future.
0: Oh yeah. I know. Fingers crossed. It's, it's next year, right? 2021, I think. Is well, they the pushed games. it back. They pushed it after back. After the Olympics. So, okay. Yeah. So another. One, one more year one after more year. <laughs> the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Close. Close. So far, but so yeah, close. Yeah. <laughs> so with having that under your belt now, you know, with the transition into going into now a therapeutic point of view. So working with athletes as well, I'm sure as the general public, what has been the best part of that transition thus far from accepting the, the next change in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I kind of started late. So I just tried to apply what I learned to my, you know, clinical business and skills. Um, because, you know, as an athlete, you're just, you know, your goal, you're trying to achieve a goal and you're especially representing your country. It's like the, you know, the pinnacle of your sport. And while you're pursuing excellence of any any stage whether it's olympics or just you know a youth level club trying to get better um you you know if you're an amateur athlete or pro you have to live by that you know saying of whatever shoot for the moon or if you miss land on the stars or something i think that's the one right you uh, yeah, pretty much if class, you miss, yeah, yeah that's like bush when you tried to say shame on me you know or, fool me what, no, I know. Shame on you. He's like fool you know what i mean shame on yeah,
0: you messes yes. it up
1: everybody knew what he's talking about the so same this one right you shoot for the uh moon you miss you land on the stars so it's like you're still going to be achieving something pretty great no matter what whether you you know reach your goal or not so um so i've applied that to kind of my clinical practice and it's just you know the same thing it's like a daily pursuit because that's uh, another quality that's helped uh myself and my uh two business partners who are also um for athletes with theirs emma was a uh, canadian world champion rower and uh yosip was a, a pro soccer player so um you know i just find that with athletes they just they don't really complain about that kind of daily push and, and, and grind to the excellence, you know, because they just know that's just what it takes to get there and they've dealt with mm-hmm. adversity on their way to their goals. So, you know, instead of when they make a mistake, like instead of getting emotional about it, we kind of, you know, whether it's athletic or business, you kind of just have to stay objective and make those necessary adjustments to succeed. So like, you know, myself, Absolutely. I wasn't the, wasn't the most organized person I would say in plan in general, but you know, I feel like I was like relentless on execution. So, Of course, I try to be as organized as possible and create game plans, you know, athletically and business-wise. However, as all athletes know, you know, the games don't always go according to your game plan. So, um, (laughs) you know, when that happens and just like in business, you know, you have to find a way to adapt and, you know, execute and win. So I found that, um, you know, starting a practice uh, from scratch is pretty similar. You know, we, we created a game plan based on our vision and how we wanted things to unfold, um but you know you have to keep you know constantly tweaking the game plan and you know on on your road to you know find success and that obviously relates to anything you know from choosing your clinical staff team to your admin your front desk hiring a brand Mm -hmm. or marketing you know company building your culture there like business development patient experience like the operations all that stuff so
0: um, oh yeah yeah and and that's honestly that's the thing that i think people forget so much when it comes to the business part because it's like Our hands are amazing and we know that we know what we're doing, but it's, it's the other half that people tend to forget about, like the promotions part, like Mm -hmm. honestly, like your staff sounds incredible. So, you know, having that behind you is an incredible forefront for the future for your business, but also just trying to maintain the business, you know, having that front door entrance, you know, admin being great and energetic and happy to have clients. in. it's such a, a system that you really have to adapt to and hopefully, you know, find the right people that will be part of that journey with you a hundred percent. What yeah. has it been like so far?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you said. So knowing, you know, where your strengths and weaknesses are and similar to athletics, like with the business, you kind of, you know, you have to find your support team and like happening, you know, when you're an athlete, you have your technical coach, you have your mentor coach, you know, you have your stats person, you know, someone who's done what you're trying to do and, You know, and like I said, there's no shortcut around experience. So same for the business and the clinic side, like regarding surrounding yourself with a team where everybody has a different individual role um, and strength, but all those individual roles and strengths all contribute to one, you know, achieving the same common goal. So I had to, you know, apply that same principle.
0: Yes. And sometimes it's not easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's definitely a challenge. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We're learning that as I go.
0: Yes, have you have you had uh, a pretty like? How do you find the new athletes adapting to therapy that you're doing? For example, like do you find they're they're pretty alert and wanting to learn what you're kind of giving them with experience plus the actual therapy? Yeah,
1: a little bit of both. It depends on uh, um, you know. One, I kind of just start by speaking to them about my experience and that I can relate, so you know that they they should have a therapeutic mindset and stuff like I kind of. Tell them that they should teach, you know, treat themselves like they're an Olympian or a professional athlete. You know, whether they're pursuing athletic mm-hmm. you know, athletic excellence or if they're not even not an a- athletic individual at all, but they love kind of you know feeling like that um, they are because once you know they hear that I've experienced what they're going through, then I found um, it's worked that they can kind of buy in more, and it's because I'm not only speaking from whatever scientific or theoretical perspective; it's more practical. So, um, you know, and then once they kind of buy and have that mindset, then I try to you know, just apply that, the standards that I kept to myself as an athlete to improve patient care, because, um, you know, it's like you said, it's not just the actual hands-on part, it's the whole experience for themselves, right? So, and for us, like, you know, we're not really in a high traffic uh, area. So really most, if not all of our patients have come from referrals. So knowing that we really work hard, uh, we have to, you know, pride ourselves on quality patient experience overall to continue receiving those referrals, because, you know, like I said, we're not in like a medical doctor building or in a financial mm-hmm. district or you know places where there's a lot of traffic so kind of like similar how you know winning championships in athletics comes down to doing the little things right you know the intangible things like you know all those things that go unnoticed right to the untrained eye the same i've found at least to apply to the clinical success because like not only yeah do you have to provide like high quality effective treatment for sure but it's the little things like you know that they appreciate like educating them on what their issue is or Yes. You know, like or how, yes. the, how they, how they got it or a theory of like why the treatment plan should even help in the first place or what to expect because sometimes, you know, I remember I was doing, so I got soft tissue treated on me when I first started getting treated and it was like, I was so sore the next day and then after it's fine, but that's kind of part of it, right? So if you give them a heads yeah. up, I, you know, a lot of patients <laughs> that I treat, they, they weren't told that. And then if you give them a heads up or acupuncture, you'd be like, Hey, a little sore here, but you should have more range and more function. And then so little things that, um, you know, and communication because it's so essential um with their referring professional not only with the patient but with the doctor as well or whoever did refer to them because you know then the more I, i've been able to communicate with that referring professional or surgeon or whoever's referring to that person you know the more comfortable they'll feel continuing to refer oh, patients big so, time. Yeah.
0: yes oh yeah and referrals is honestly everything i get that question and i'm sure you do too is You know, how do you build your business? What is the tips and tricks to, you know, get that business started? It is all referral. That is probably the biggest thing that like I can honestly say was the most effective is that if you are so, if you are confident within your practice and you know what you're doing and, you know, you have that environment where people want to come in and they want to learn and they want to be educated on top of getting therapy, then people are more prone to refer and build that clientele up and it's it's a lot easier than i thought it was once mm-hmm. you really start that kind of campaign style yeah. and um it, it really does speak volumes because I'm, I'm sure you've had you know therapists come and treat you before
1: mm. and
0: you're like wow that was awful yeah <laughs> you know, or like why are you why are you treating this and it's just like um yeah because well, this is tight or whatever so it's it's so nice to have an understanding with you that you do that too that's so important
1: mm-hmm. yeah agreed
0: So what is, what is like one thing since you've started being a therapist that has really excelled your career other than with referrals? Like, is there new modalities that you're slowly starting to learn or what has really helped you kind of go through that journey?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I did actually learn acupuncture uh, this past year, so that helped um, the patient outcomes because I I mean, myself, I was a big fan of it, um, receiving it and, um, you know, I, uh, I found that it kind of just has a little bit longer of a lasting effect. Now, mind you, it's more intense when you're getting it. So it's kind of a trade-off. You're like, okay, it helps more and it's last locking. Long, <laughs> but, man, it's not the most comfortable. So you got to uh, be careful with, with who you do. A lot, oh, yeah. a lot of the younger athletes. When you get
0: the stims on there? Yeah,
1: yeah, that gets intense for them. Oh, so.
0: oh I know. <laughs>
1: you got to uh, go slow and
0: gentle at first. Yeah, well, especially trying to convince them.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they hear needles <laughs> and they're true. like, ah, no, it's no so chance. It's so true. Right. But, uh, yeah, I would say that, um, that helped a lot.
0: Well, it's surprising how effective they are though. That's the thing that baffles me the most is that I've had the, the homeopathic style. I've had the Chinese medicine I've, and both of them have different effects depending on how they put them in and whichever and how thick they are, because fun fact, they're not all the mm-hmm. same size. Yeah. That was a wake up call. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <yep>. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh,
1: yeah. Man. So that definitely changes things.
0: Oh, it does. Oh, it does. Definitely. When you see it, you're like, "Okay, um, that's not what I had last time." Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know what's going on here. I know the yeah. deal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. And then they put the stem on, and oh my god, it's right. It's, yeah, that's an adventure to the next level. Yeah, but you're right though. It is. It is very effective. Yeah, if you breathe through it, you're fine. Mm,
1: yeah, it just kind of affects the nervous system. Uh, kind of, I I found because you can really. Like you said, once you put the stim down, um, it's one thing to affect the muscles, but if you can actually, you know, uh, manipulate kind of the neurological input, then that's why I find um, is the longer lasting effect because of that. Do
0: you find that there's certain sports that are most commonly coming in for therapy? Like, do you find a trend with your athletes of what kind they are?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, I'm kind of the go-to volleyball person, so um, that's first and foremost (laughs) of course but um you know i also grew up playing hockey and baseball and baseball is a pretty similar swing to volleyball so um you know i treat a lot of those athletes as well because you know they feel comfortable knowing that i understand the biomechanics of their sports and the types of loads their tissues are under so um you know and and even during treatment i'll kind of talk to them about whatever academic you know excellence or managing both or just kind of like stuff that they can do off the court to their performance more like in spiritual stuff and mental because I do a lot of like uh, mentor psychological training with athletes now with with, um, COVID yeah they couldn't really train um, that much and um, I just kind of saw that there was a a lack for well I, I find at least in volleyball too like a lot of the athletes really aren't taught the tactical and psychological like volleyball IQ parts so they're just taught like technical physical which is important but like
0: really Mm -hmm. in the end of the game I mean, they all
1: know what it's like when they're in practice or in pool play they're all amazing and then it comes down to 13 all in the playoffs and they play a little different so um i really enjoyed um getting into the deeper psyche with these athletes and kind of teaching them things that i learned late that they can apply and uh, i've been able to also incorporate that with video analysis because i find that they weren't really taught that either in terms of how to watch video one of themselves because you know how it is when you're playing and your coach says do this you think you're doing it you're like i am and then you look back at the video and you're like oh okay (laughs) you know you can't you don't have that objective perspective right so when you're able to look at yourself Mm -hmm. with video you can kind of really actually change your your style and your and increase your technical um Skills, but then also, I found that they weren't really taught how to watch video of opponents you're about to play and then how to create a game plan based on that. So, knowing their tendencies and knowing what kind of plays are their go to shots, or if they're under pressure, what they're going to do, like the athletes I find at least not till the national levels are taught that. So, if I can teach kind of the the up and coming club youth uh, athletes before they get to that level, then they can kind of have a competitive advantage. And uh, that stuff you can't really learn unless you kind of did it yourself. So, um, that was one thing that I really. Mm -hmm. focused on because my game wasn't all about the physical because I blew my shoulder out so I couldn't really uh, hit too hard and I was like okay how am I going to stay successful (laughs) so I had to think about things like vision and you know the poise and being more resilient and the tactical strategies and all those kind of intangible um, skills so that's I've been uh, doing a little bit of that lately and really enjoying it.
0: That's awesome and I'm sure they appreciate it too because that's exactly what we were talking about before is the fact that there's so many things now versus when we were athletes that it was, you know, I I wish that there was more education in, you know, that the self-care aspect or, you know, like why weren't foam rollers invented like yeah. years ago? You know, yeah, like exactly. there's so many things that like athletes are so much more educated on. And, you know, even in our therapy wise, it's it's hard because, you know, now they're starting to get people coming into the schools and educating them on, okay. If you graduate, these are the options and these are the, the opportunities that you can have. And these are the, the links that you can go to or these are the people you can connect with. And, you know, tell me about um, your experience so far with your schools and business and organization, and, you know, presentations, because I think that is wicked.
1: Right. Yeah. I, uh, that's another thing, too, kind of with the corporate speaking. You know, I'm thinking, like, how am I going to go in there and speak to these you know, financial advisors about you know, the corporate world, I don't know anything about it, but they really, you know, they don't want to hear about that. They kind of want to hear about the experience of what it's like and, um, and mm-hmm. how I kind of applied out those team aspects um, to what they kind of go. So I don't really have to actually speak to the um, actual industry itself. It's more about, you know, how to get the most out of your team. Like how do you keep someone accountable, but not make it personal. You know, you got to know the buttons to push for each person. Some, you know, rely or respond better to, you know, intense challenge. Some can't, you know, you just gotta keep pumping them up even if they're making mistakes or whatever. So you gotta find <laughs> what works, you know, and especially Beach taught me that too because it's just you two. So you don't really have much time to, it's not like a whole team where you can be like, okay, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that well. You know, give the ball to somebody else or sub me out like a beach volleyball. There is none. It's, you're not doing well and they're coming after you. You can't get off the court and your partner is your only person that could support you so. Um, you know, I found <laughs> yep. that, you know, yes, like, you know, it's, it's definitely important to have a plan. Um, but for me, I just, for my teammates and so I speak about to the corporate, um, you know, leaders that, um, leadership is about, you know, the effort and execution and just passion from the team. Right. Because I felt like real leadership isn't just like demanding something from your teammates or coworkers or whatever. It's kind of seeing it deep inside people to hold themselves to like a higher standard, um, you know, one person at a time. And then I feel like that's how you build a winning team and and business culture.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's something that I really find is beautiful when you can blend sports with professions, because it really is the same thing. Like you said, like the leadership, holding people accountable, like being on time, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that, right. that can't be <laughs> better for business, you know? So yeah. I think it's great that we start so young doing sports because there's so much more to sports than just the sport. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. Totally. So it's there's
1: so many lessons. It's,
0: yes. And that's the thing that I think is so hard during this COVID because kids aren't getting that activity. They're not getting that outdoor play and all that stuff. And I think that is such a huge component of growth in a person to build them in the future of right. all those knowledgeable experiences. Right. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and
1: and so that I've kind of also taught them too that because they're all rattled. I mean, now they're playing again. Um, might, you know as of what what's going on, it might get shut down again. But they're off for a few months, and of course they're super upset for the reasons you just said because they're lacking all that. So I try to give them the perspective of and another thing they're not really taught. I don't think is how to visualize properly. So that's another thing. Like guys, okay, I know, you know it sucks that you're not playing, but. It, I went through this, it was even worse because I was injured for a year and a half. So I was off for a year and a half, not playing, lose my mind while well, all my friends were still playing. Then I'm expected to somehow come back after being off that long and not only, you know, compete with them, but like win, like I want to, you know, still pursue my excellence I and mean, go to the Olympics. So at least you guys, now everybody's off. So you can actually take this time to learn how to really visualize properly and then use that competitive advantage when you get back, because you'd be surprised that you don't lose it as much as you would think if you actually properly kind of see it in your in your mind. Because I think a lot of them thought, you know, the way you, you're supposed to feel good about yourself and you optimistic and confident is cause and effect, where you need to do something well before you uh, feel good. But really. I'm telling them I'm like, no, that's the old school way. Like, you know, you have to <laughs> the new epigenetic model or whatever, call it quantum, or whatever, you know, like the secret or whatever it is. Like you have to put yep. that out there and the energy and you actually have to believe that it's happened before. So I pretty much, you know, the question is like, can you believe in a future that you can't experience or you haven't experienced with your senses yet, but you've thought about it enough. Or your brain, like, you know, the subconscious part actually looks like it's already occurred because before we knew about it, you know, visualization and then all and, and mental imagery, we knew it worked. We kind of just didn't know why, but um, but now there's science, so it's like if you guys use yeah. <laughs> you know, objective data, fine, it's there, you know, it's like really the old model, like I said, of cause and effect is waiting for something to happen outside of you to change the way you feel inside, but no, um, you know, the new well, not even new that much, but the quantum or the energy or the frequency or however you want to call it is that you got to teach your body how you're going to feel once you achieve whatever it is, so you have to feel it before it actually happens and manifests so you can't really define reality with like their senses they you know not waiting for something outside to change how you feel inside so as long Mm. as they can kind of buy into that it might help
0: and how do you find that like do you find that they're very receptive to that
1: initially um no especially at that at that um age right they're like what i can't there's not tangible i can't feel the difference i can't see it mm-hmm. um and they won't they won't until they get into training again or, or some competition again so it's hard to buy in plus it's a tough skill like sitting there meditating like they're you know everybody's got add these days or there's, there's no like the attention span so small especially with social media so oh my they can't gosh. just sit there and visualize <laughs>
0: totally minutes
1: they'll be gone in 30 seconds <laughs> and then when it's hard they'll be like oh this is annoying and next you know, but mm-hmm. so, you know, not everybody's into it, but uh, all I can do is tell them how effective it is. And if they, you know, I find the ones that are truly um, motivated, innerly inside motivated to do well, they'll give it a shot because they're they're looking for the extra extra push. So yeah, it yeah. depends on the, the motivation factor of the athlete.
0: But it's true though, because when I did a OWHA camp, one of the coaches was actually doing exactly that. And before we would go into a game or before we go into a practice, He would actually have us all sit and we would focus on a spot on the floor. Obviously, like everyone has different spots, but we would all focus on the spot. Yeah. And we would start with, say, four minutes and no one can't say anything. You just focus on your breathing. You focus on that spot. Isolate your brain to think about more of the positivity versus the negativity or just simply clearing the mind of things that you're overthinking about for that practice or game and see if you can isolate your feelings. And it was incredible because the first couple of times people were surprised how fast like or how slow, sorry, the time went. And then as we progressively did it and people were being more open to it, the time flew by and it was amazing to see how more receptive they were by the end of the camp to understand how to connect with themselves spiritually, mentally, and then go and do the game because I, I don't think... I mean, you know, like you watch Shreya Williams, for for example, you know, like there's certain people who have such a great mindset and such great energy, but there's so many things yeah. that are difficult to maintain if the mindset's off and you can see that, you know, you can see it in athletes right. who are frustrated or aggravated. So it's beautiful to teach people that because then they can actually apply it for all of their life, which is incredible. That's awesome. You do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun, fun seeing people kind of dive into that.
0: Yeah, well, you no, know what? Hopefully, one day everyone will, <laughs> and they'll, yeah, they'll understand it that, better. I doubt it,
1: but you know, <laughs> you gotta be whoever optimistic. does will reap the benefits.
0: I know it's true. So, what's so? What's next for you? Like, what's your what's your next vision?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say the next goal is um well, continuing. I am living the next goal. I would say. <laughs> I was gonna say, just, you're living your life. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. This is the next next part of just trying to be the best, practitioner. I can be, um, you know, the best business owner and also, also the um, I guess mentor. I was gonna say that this new the Binstock angle, um, so to speak. That's where I <laughs> oh, was Oh yes the yes, bin stock. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's the Olympic angle experience, kind of just helping, you know, mentor athletes and the angle from the psychological tactical angle and also the you know technical angle as well. Um so that's pretty pretty new. Um so I'm enjoying um I haven't really I you know I had a mentor when I was younger and, and it inspired me to try to, you know, pursue excellence. So that's kind of the the next, I guess, um, goal for me is try to you know, reach as many athletes as I can um, with the time I have because it's, like, uh, really, it's not like I'm scaling it in terms of having one webinar, which, um, you know, provincial team did, and then a, a lot of athletes could come on. And you're speaking about mental toughness or a topic, but I found that maybe athletes weren't really that open and honest uh, because so many other athletes were on the call. You know, when you're talking about mindset mm. um, topics like, you know, vulnerability or you know, cultivating resilience, fear of failure, all those things. You, you know, the athletes are not going to want to be as on it, as open if they don't know the other person that's on there, or if they're their potential opponents. So um, I've kind of done more of a private, semi-private. So it's either I work one-on-one with the athlete, or you know, a group of two or three, but they're all comfortable with each other. They're all you know, friends, and they, they don't mind being open and honest and vulnerable with each other. So. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been a fun process. I'm kind of looking to uh, continue that and chiropractic.
0: Uh, <laughs> a nice combo. Yes. Yeah, oh, exactly. And I honestly, I love that because it, it is so inspiring for others to know that you are willing to do that because, you know, we live in a world that is very 50-50. Some people are very much willing to share their journey, talk about it, educate people, inspire people. And also some people had a really tough journey, so they're not also willing to talk about it or express that, that situation, you know, like they're, unfortunately are athletes who can never come back to the games or whichever it is. And I think it's so great. The angle <laughs> that you're taking because, yeah. you know, it's, like it. it's awesome. And I think, you know, I'm, I hope, and I pray that so many people are following through and watching it. And is it on your, I think it's on your Instagram, right? You post it.
1: Yep, yeah, I did. I gotta get better with the posting as well. But um, yeah, I did uh, I think it's my uh, the bin stock angle is the is the handle and then um, you can kind of get it through my regular Instagram, which is Dr. Josh.
0: Perfect. Okay, hmm. I love it. All right, yeah. so do you have ending on a really super positive note, do you have anything um, you know, that can help people feel inspired or want to be an entrepreneur and, and go through this journey?
1: well um it's exciting you know you can either choose the safe um it's kind of like uh athletic Like you can be you know play to not lose so you might not win but you won't get last you know <laughs> or or you take risks and you play to win and you either you know hit the ball way out of the stadium or it's just straight down a kill but i mean at the highest level you kind of have to take those risks um and it's kind of exhilarating to put yourself out there into the unknown and then you kind of when you go into the unknown that's where the change and manifest happens because, um, you know, you kind of have to keep adapting Um, because most, you know, people always define themselves from like a memory of the past experiences. So they're kind of like apprehensive. They don't, you know, define themselves from what the future could hold because that's unknown. And that's scary. We'd Mm -hmm. be, you know, we conditioned to think the unknown is scary, but like I said, that place of um, unfamiliarity is where all that change happens. So, you know, we kind of should aim, I feel to be comfortable with that uncomfortable and and the unknown. So yes. um, yeah, that's kind of what I, what I like about the entrepreneurial shift.
0: Yes. I have to say, honestly, I always say that to people. I say you have to experience the uncomfortable stage to become comfortable and it is uncomfortable to go there, but when mm. you do and you realize what is the, the endless possibilities that you can do, it's a beautiful adventure. It really is. And if you're in for the ride, it is totally worth it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. That's amazing. So if people want to get a hold of you um, to ask you questions or anything like that, is the best way to get to you on your Instagram page or what works yep. best for
1: you? Yeah, that works. So like I said, dr. Josh binstock, Um DM, I got a still, uh, or, or the binstock angle. Uh, or email, joshua.binstock at olympian.org. So any of those amazing Uh, yeah i'd be happy to um connect
0: absolutely well thank you from all of us thank you i appreciate you so much for coming on here and inspiring so many other people because you have such an incredible story and i truly appreciate you (laughs) and uh, i i cannot wait to go to the games cross my fingers in a few years and who knows maybe we'll do volleyball again
1: (laughs) yeah that would be amazing i hope that works like that
0: I know. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. All the best. See you next time.